You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Video games are a unique medium. They can tell stories. Immerse us in strange, fantastic worlds. Blur the very boundaries of our reality. But at the end of the day, video games are fun. Whatever fun is to you. I'm Jeff Moonen. And I am Matt A.K.A. Stormageddon. And on Fun and Games, we talk about the history, trends, and community of video games. It's a celebration of all the games we play and all the fun we find within them. And there's so many more games out there. So we hope you'll share in that conversation with us. Fun and Games podcast with Matt and Jeff. Find us on certainpov.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And happy gaming. In my lifetime, I expect to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. Welcome back to season four. 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 One, two, three, four. Season four of United States of Women. And apparently I just broke Jessica's eardrums. Uh, This is Geek Elite's (laughs) history podcast about all of the women you don't know you know. You don't know you know. (laughs) I think I like that catchphrase. I am Elizabeth, and with me is the very kind and very brilliant Jessica. Oh, thank you. So, season four, we are turning our attention to Georgia. Georgia? Yeah. The great state of Georgia and all of its peaches. And slowly sinking back into time right now. (laughs) Yeah, well, that is definitely going to be... Something we're going to have to deal with this season mm-hmm. um, as I've begun prepping all of our women for this season. There is definitely a, um, there are a few mm-hmm. with very problematic uh, stances on certain things. Um, are we going to get the anti-feminist but really strong female people? Yes, and other issues. Oh, oh, oh. Because <laughs> we are dealing with Georgia, and for most of Georgia's history, a great chunk of people had really problematic views. Yes, Georgia uh, was part of the Confederacy. <laughs> yes, Georgia was part of the Confederacy. There is still a lot of racism issues occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I would never recommend honoring people with racist views. I think it would be a disservice to not recognize recognize that they exist, mm-hmm. what they contributed positive, and all of the negative. The negative. I mean, we, we do still talk about the founding fathers. And I gotta tell you, <laughs> research them on your own. <laughs> so... That is not the case with episode one. Uh, Yay. We have a really cool woman to talk about this episode. And mm-hmm. this episode, I'm titling The Nurse That Never Was. And we will get to why. Although, generally speaking, we just know that women never get the credit that they <laughs> deserve. Why Why didn't she exist? Why don't we know about her? Uh, it's probably because you know, she's, she's a girl. That's why. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's a woman. Um, so we are going to be talking about Susie King 
Taylor. Okay, yeah. and I got a I got a picture for you of her. Ooh, yes. Try to see. Maybe there's a bigger picture. There you. She almost looks like a nun. Like like her yeah. outfit reminds me of a nun's outfit. I can't. No, very much. Well, it's black and, and white, it's, but and it's really the only picture of her that oh. exists. Well, I mean, eighteen fifties. So, not a lot of photo opportunities. (laughs) So, she was born Suzanne Ann Baker on August 6th, 1848. Okay. In Liberty County, Georgia. She was born enslaved. Okay. So, she was born to Raymond and Hagar Baker on a plantation. That was owned by Valentine Greist. Grest? Grest. Okay. G-R-E-S-T. Um, intriguingly, a few of the sources called her a bonds person, which I had to look up because I'm like, bondsman didn't really, like, when I think of a bail bondsman, it's, yeah. like, that didn't really exist. It's essentially another term for slave. Somebody oh, who is bonded. Who's bonded. Okay. That makes so, sense. But I had to look that up and since you're a writer, figured you'd enjoy learning the new word. Etymology. The, new, the etymology. Yeah. Uh so she was born as uh the n- first of nine children. Oh. Um, and almost everything we know about her is from uh, the memoir she would go on to publish in her later life uh, entitled, sorry, Reminiscence of My Life in Camp with the 33rd United States Colored Troop. Okay, so I, I see how she became a nurse there. Yeah. Um, and I also see how she really would have been erased if she didn't write her own history. Yep. Nope. Exactly. Exactly. So, when Suzanne was seven, her grandmother, who was a free, a free woman, mm-hmm. a free black, um, took her and one of her sisters, she, they got authorization from the Gists, to take them to Savannah, Georgia, which is where she would grow up. I, I say grow up hesitantly because the Civil War broke out when she was 14, and I have a hard time treating a 14-year-old as an adult, but as you'll see... At 14, she was basically a full-grown woman. Uh, so, <laughs> Yeah, she kind of had to be with the past that she had, though, yeah. too. Exactly. So, Susie would spend the next seven years in Georgia, mm-hmm. or in Savannah, where her grandmother insisted that she get an education. Good. Now, here's the real problem. Uh-oh. At that time, it was illegal for African-Americans to be educated. Right. Um, They weren't allowed to read or write, which is just another way to easily control people is to not let them educate themselves. So 
Susie's grandmother, uh, whose name, because I, I think she's, it's, it, she's worth knowing. Her name was Dolly Reed. Hmm. Enrolled Susie in, and her sister in the underground education. So obviously we know about the Underground Railroad. And this is just to educate people. So this was a similar system set up cool. where uh, free, free African-Americans would have children come into their home and they would teach them, but in secrecy. So none of the kids could ever show up or leave at the same time as everybody else and they had to hide their books when coming into the homes. Hmm. So Susie was first taught by uh, Mrs. Woodhouse Mm -hmm. and then followed by uh, Mrs. Mary Beasley. Susie showed such a great uh, knack and brilliant mind Mm -hmm. that she then would also end up tutored by a a white uh, girl who she uh, became friends with named hmm. Katie O'Connor. Now, this is where a couple of my sources, the, the sources kind of deviate. Mm-hmm. O'Connor was either an educated girl because she was learning at a convent. Okay. And the tutoring stopped when she became a full member of the convent and then couldn't leave. Mm. Or she was just upper middle class Mm. and was well-read and the tutoring stopped because she was sent off to boarding school. So one of those occurred. So whether or not she was in a convent or went off to boarding school. Yes. Is, Is open... It's not completely known to history, hmm. but she did, every, all the sources state that she tutored Susie on top of what she was learning in the underground education. Cool. Additionally, Susie would take time to study and learn with her grandmother's landlord's son, the, the house that her, her grandmother rented. All of this led to her becoming to to gaining the ability to read and write and prior to the civil war so while she was still 11 12 13 mm-hmm. she would actually use those skills to help all of the enslaved and Af- and free african americans in her community mm-hmm. one of the biggest things she did is she used to forge passes so as you'll recall from Water Dancer, yep. um, those of you who haven't had a chance to go run over to Jessica and I are on the Love of Pages podcast, um, and we did an awesome book oh, several months ago now yeah, uh, by ta Coates called The Water Dancer. Mm-hmm. But at this time, for African Americans to be out at night, they had no protections unless they had a pass from a white individual. Yep. So she would forge and create passes for her community members to keep them safe should they be out after the nighttime bell rang. Mm-hmm. 
Which was something that the character in The Water Dancer also did. Correct. Then in April of 1862, uh, just as the... Uh, northern troops were moving in towards Savannah. Mm-hmm. Dolly was arrested on charges of abolitionist. Uh, I'm not thinking of the word. It's not a riot. Um, Protesting? No, she was stirring up abolitionist ideas. Um, oh, um, recruiting. Yeah. Nope. Anyway, We're not anyway she was she was basically saying, hey, look, the North is coming. We're going to free all the slaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so she was arrested. Because people are awful. Which meant that Susie was then sent back to the Gist Plantation uh, in Liberty County, Georgia. Mm-hmm. Just a few months later... Her uncle would sneak her and several of her siblings and his family out Hmm. of the plantation where they would be, um, where they made a break for it to St. Simon's Island and the Union Army that was stationed there. Uh, Because of their status, And because of the Emancipation Proclamation not yet having been signed, Mm -hmm. um, they were considered, still awful to think about, they were considered essentially contraband. And so the Union Army had to hold them as property of the enemy. Since the Emancipation Proclamation hadn't happened yet. Yes. Yeah. So the commanding officer on St. Simon's Island Mm -hmm. was Lieutenant Commander Pendleton G. Watmagoo. Okay. I know that name. Mm -hmm. And arriving at St. Simon's Island, she ended up in front of him where Susie impressed him so much with her knowledge and learn and her education that at 14 he asked her to establish a school for the individuals that were being held on base okay as essentially a refugee camp and so at 14 she established the first free african-american school in georgia and became its first teacher wow So during the day, she would teach all of the children in the camp, and at night, she would teach their parents. Huh. Um, So during this time, we've now reached August of 1862. Captain C.T. Trowbridge arrived on St. Simon's Island because he had decided to try and create a regiment of African-American soldiers. Mm -hmm. And so he started to recruit from the camp. Yeah. This included Susie and the man who would later become her first husband, Edward King, who became a black officer in the infantry. Oh, okay. 
She joined initially, her title was as a laundress. Oh, okay. Doing laundry. Doing laundry. For the regiment. (laughs) Um, However, as is common even now in wartime, but especially back then, Mm -hmm. she ended up kind of doing everything. Everything. Mm -hmm. For the first seven months that this regiment was in existence, the soldiers were not paid. Because again, no emancipation proclamation. Mm -hmm. So they were not paid. After the creation of, after the signing of the Emancipation Proclamation, they would end up getting their back pay Mm. and start getting paid. However, Susie never would. Because she was a woman. (laughs) Yep. Um, During this time... Did any female nurses get paid in the Civil War? So some of them would end up getting paid if they were formally hired as nurses. Ah, she was hired as a laundress. So we will get to that because that gets to her one of her big accomplishments. Now, I'm going to say one of because there's a lot. Ooh. For starters, well, the fact that at 14 a she's yeah. established a school. <laughs> um, <laughs> so during the war, she served as a laundress. As a machinist, as an armory, and then finally, she was asked at one point to be a nurse. Um, In particular, she was asked to treat an Edward Davis, Mm -hmm. who had contracted the variation of smallpox that you get after you've been immunized. So it's a particularly virulent and Mm -hmm. deadly disease. Yeah. And she treated him for several months, eventually losing him. Mm. However, because of her treatment and close proximity to him, she became immunized herself. Okay. Just from exposure. At which point she was permanently moved to helping the nursing corps, particularly smallpox patients. Within smallpox, yeah. Uh, during this time, she met another one of our women, our, our awesome women, Miss mm-hmm. Clara Barton. Yay! Came onto the stage. It was after the war that Susie and her husband, Edward King, would move back to Savannah, Georgia. And Susie would open up a number of schools for African Americans. Mm-hmm. She started with one. There is no exact count. Best estimations are about 12 to 14 okay. schools for African American children, where she'd charge a dollar a month. Wow. For attendance. Um, her husband, Edward was not able to get a job during this time as, as his, in his trade. Um, mm. He was a skilled carpenter. Oh. So he ended up as a manual labor, manual laborer, day laborer on the docks. This led to his death on September 6th, 1866, a mere three months before 
Susie would give birth to their son. Uh, During this time, he received a pension as a soldier in the Civil War prior to his death, but Susie could not. Um, Women didn't inherit pension. Oh, yeah. Never mind. It's the 1800s. Yep. (laughs) Women didn't inherit pensions from their husbands or anything, really. Colonel C.T. Chowbridge, who Mm -hmm. had initially recruited Susie, had wrote in a letter to her that she is unable to be placed on the pensioner's roll for her actions, Mm -hmm. but was in fact an army nurse. He explains that she is a person that is the most deserved of this pension regardless. Um, So she got it? She did not get it. Oh, okay. But he was like, you deserve it, but like, out of my hands. There's nothing I can do. After Edward's death and the birth of their son, she ended up having to close all of her schools because she couldn't make a living to support them on it alone. Yeah, because even back then, a dollar a month is very... Not much. Not much. (laughs) Plus, she was paying... The, te- the other teachers because she mm-hmm. wasn't teaching at all the schools by herself. Um, so she took a job as a domestic servant mm-hmm. for a wealthy white family. Mm-hmm. Then in 1874, members of the family she worked for traveled to Boston and brought her with them. Okay. She was so enthralled in Boston and the near equality, particularly for the time that blacks and whites had, Mm -hmm. that she decided to quit her job and stay in Boston. Mm -hmm. She continued to work for a short time as a domestic worker in Boston. And in 1879, she married her second husband, Russell L. Taylor, at which point she quit her job. It was at this time that she began the work of becoming a founding member of the Women's Relief Corps. Okay. Okay. So the Women's Relief Corps was established via charter on July 25th, 1883 in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. It was... Subsequently incorporated um, by public act of the 87th Congress on September 7th, 1962. Okay, so it was a long time before it was formalized. Yeah, very significantly long time. But it is the oldest continuing um, auxiliary corps hmm. for the military. Its initial purpose was to petition the federal government for nurses' pensions and to promote patriotic education, as well as historical preservation of research and an official documentation of the Women's Relief Corps and uh, the Grand Army of the Republic to the Union Army. Yeah. So basically she was like, you're not going to give me a pension, so I'm going to make you give me my pension. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. So 
uh, the group focused on helping to raise money to support black Civil War veterans mm-hmm. and women who served in the Civil War. So basically everybody who didn't qualify for pensions. Yeah. They're like, here. Yeah. We'll help raise money to support you and to petition the federal government. Hmm. So the Women's Relief Corps... Uh, has a separate organization in basically each of the states. And most of the states have multiple. Susie became the one of the founding members of Corps 67 in Boston, where she served first as a guard, so just a, a member mm-hmm. and fundraiser, then secretary of the chapter, then treasurer, and then president. All right. To me, one of the most important things is this was not just an African-American auxiliary group. It was, in fact, founded by Florence Barker, Katie Shearwood, Sarah Fuller, and Emma Hampton. Oh, yeah. So this was primarily a white woman's world, and she still... Climbed the ranks and that climbed the ranks and took charge. Yeah, because there were a lot of suffragettes and feminists that were not for black women gaining equality. So. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it was originally a secret organization, uh, born in Massachusetts during the American Civil War. And starting in 1879, when it was first kind of thought up, mm-hmm. the primary criterion for eligibility to become a member was loyalty to the union cause. <laughs> and membership was not restricted to residents of the union states. So anybody, anywhere who supported the union cause could be a member. Okay. Pretty straightforward and basic. Um, What I found interesting was actually Susie Taylor was a a notable individual that is referenced in each of the histories of the women, the women's uh, relief corps, mm-hmm. because she's the only African American woman who is named in a lot of these historiographies, and there had the to been other ones as well. Yeah. Um, so they were required, each core was required to, each core was required to write rules and regulations that would be approved by the national organization. Mm -hmm. And three objectives had to be, had to be met. Maintain true allegiance to the United States of America, teach patriotism, and teach love of country. So, I mean, definitely a propaganda machine. I mean... Yeah. Are we entirely surprised? No. Uh, One of the biggest accomplishments of the Women's Relief Corps are obtaining pensions and helping raise funds for those in the Civil War who 
did not get pensions, mm-hmm. and the creation, uh, the establishment of Memorial Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get a day off. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you. So, Susie would be an active member for most of the rest of her life. But in 1898, her son fell sick in Louisiana, where he was living at the time. And life comes full circle. She notes in her memoirs that when she returned to Louisiana, she was met with such racism Mm -hmm. that... She was refused a sleeper ticket on the train back to Boston for her son, which was the only way that he could safely travel because she'd wanted to take him back to Boston Uh to help cure him. Yeah. So instead, she had to stay in Louisiana to try and treat him. And um, dealing with all the racism there at the time, I imagine it wasn't easy to get medicines or anything. Correct. And she would spend that time fighting the Ku Klux Klan and Jim mm-hmm. Crow laws mm-hmm. while trying to care for her dying son. Her son would eventually pass and she would return to Boston. In 1902, she published her memoirs and... A quote that's taken out of her memoirs that is used over and over and over again Mm -hmm. is, what a wonderful revolution. In 1861, the Southern papers were full of advertisements for slaves. But now, despite all the hindrances and race problems, my people are striving to attain the full standard of all other races born free in the sight of God. And in a number of instances have succeeded. Justice, we ask, to be citizens of these United States, where so many of our people have shed their blood with their white comrades, that the stars and stripes should never be polluted. Hmm. Uh, she, so in 1902, she published Reminiscence of My Life in Camp with the 33rd United States Colored Troops, mm-hmm. the late first South Carolina Volunteers, which is what they were known as before they became a formal Mm. regiment. It is the only firsthand account of the lives and experiences of black civil war soldiers written by a black woman in existence. Wow. Um, She would then go on to write and publish several more articles Mm -hmm. throughout the rest of her life. And she would pass on October 6th, 1912, in Boston, uh, where she was buried. And that is the life and story of Susie King Taylor. Wow. I'm glad she wrote a memoir. You so and we could talk both, about her. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, um,. And the creation of the Women's Relief Corps, which is still in existence today. Yep. Today they're not doing nearly as cool things, in my opinion. But what is that's exactly just my opinion. they do today? 
they're still mostly teaching patriotism and love of country. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I like my country. I'm not going to lie. I do like the ideas of my country. We're not really living up to those ideas. And I'm a true believer that you're not a patriot if you don't see the flaws in your country. A true patriot wants their country to develop and yeah. not stay the same. No, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so... And teach critical race theory in schools. <laughs> yes. But that is the nurse that never was, even if her commanding officer says she should have been. Yeah. But I do I like that. Like, you deserve this, but like, Can't I, I feel you. like I would legit be like, thank you for your empty words. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's what I need right now as a single black woman who just had a child who can't get any money because I wasn't technically a nurse and which I mean which is just the thing that the military in general does it's like you're gonna have this position but we also need you here but like we're only gonna pay you for for the this one <laughs> one position because that's all we can get the budget to pay you for so yep yeah <sighs> pretty much pretty much uh so Sources, mm-hmm. obviously Wikipedia and Susie's memoirs were mm-hmm. a big portion, as well as um, the article "Life Story: Susie Baker King Taylor, um, 1848 to 1912" mm-hmm. from I lost my citation page. I love when I do that. From the New York Historical uh, Society Library, uh, Women and the American Story Hmm. is their collection. For the Women's Relief Corps, uh, their website and history, as well as the um, article by John Christopher Kennedy hmm. entitled A Perfect Union, the Women's Relief Corps and Women's Organizational Activism 1861-1930 which was his dissertation for Purdue <laughs> University. Oh, cool. So that had some good pieces. There's a lot of other organizations that I'm sh- I kind of bookmarked this because I'm like, eh, that's going to keep coming up. That's going to be useful for other things <laughs> down the road. I'm sure of it. All right. So that is Susie King Taylor. Jessica, if people want to reach out to you to discuss any and all of the things, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey writes. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our website at geekelitemedia.com. Words are hard today. 
please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on whatever podcatcher you use. And check out our YouTube channel. That's right. That was the thing I was supposed to add. Yes. We now have a YouTube channel. We have a YouTube <laughs> channel. And it'd be totally awesome if you just clickety-clack that like button, as I hear all the YouTubers say. Uh, all the YouTubers say? The YouTubers. <laughs> uh, it helps others find the awesome podcasts on our network. If you've got a couple of dollars, jump on over to our Patreon page. There will be new episodes this season from this podcast that are going to be Patreon exclusives. Ooh. Right? So exciting. Uh, but until next time, this is the United States of Women saying always remember to geek, geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.